This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 320, and today we are talking about books being released on July 20th, 2021, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Tears of Price, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. That was a lot of 20s. Yes. And that's sentence. <laughs> Tears hello. Hi, how How's are you? How's it going? Oh, I'm, I'm good. You know, I know that it's hot and we're recording in summer and that is not the most fun thing ever to do, but we no. do it because we love the books. Yes, absolutely. Um, it has been raining in Maine for like a week and a half and it's gross here. Just everything uh. is damp. Everything. It's disgusting. Although I do get a bit of a break this week because we're recording early because you have a lot going on in your life. Yes. Big life changes. Yes, I am moving next month from Michigan to Iowa. So that is exciting. Um, my partner got an amazing job and we are really thrilled that, you know, this is all happening. But it came together really quickly. So we're kind of scrambling at the moment to get everything yeah. done and just kind of like figure out where we're going to live, pack everything up, how we're going to get there. And, you know, we have two cats and a dog. So like moving them, I, I'm going to be real, not looking forward to that. But we'll get here there somehow. <laughs> It'll all work out. It will. It will. It's just, yeah. Right now, we're just kind of in the frantic, like, oh, my gosh, got to do everything while also still, like, you know, doing work. And I'm having a really hard time with my books because I know that I can pack some now. But I'm like, yeah. but what if I need it in two weeks? What if I yeah. need it for this? So, like, I, I pulled aside, like, this giant stack of books for, like, that I'm like, I'm not going to pack these right now. I'm probably just going to put them in, like, a tote bag to put in the car. And my partner was like, you're taking all of those? And I was like, <laughs> I need them. You yeah. don't understand. <laughs> I need them. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Always, always need books. It's my birthday. Like, by the time you hear this episode, it will have been my birthday. And usually I go, my, uh, I have to say my husband now, I guess. Um, I guess. I guess. <laughs> uh, he takes me to the bookstore to get books on my birthday. And this year I was like, I should do something else. And then this morning he said, so... What have you decided to do for your birthday? And I was like, go to the bookstore. <laughs> Yay! Like, happy birthday! He's like, are you sure? Is that what you need? I was like, yes, it is what I need. So, thank you. Oh, I love it's it. It's going to be fun. I'm going to be 45, like a little record. Yes, that's awesome. Well, yeah. happy, happy birthday, even though by the time everybody else hears it, it will have, you know, happened. And yay, yay bucks. <laughs> yay bucks, thank you. Uh, before we get started today... First of all, I want to say thank you to all the nice people who reached out to me about my uh, my unfortunate mosquito bite incident last week that I was talking about. Everyone was so nice, and I do feel much better. Thank you. And also, I want to give a special shout out to Nancy and Joey. Uh, Nancy sent me the nicest email this week, and we just appreciate listeners and hearing from you and 
You're all so wonderful, and thank you so much. It really brightens my day to read these. So thank you again to everyone who reached out. And let's see. I don't think I have anything else exciting to tell you before we start. Oh, um, one thing, because apparently I live in the 80s. Uh, my husband and I just got cable. Nice. Which is like saying, like, I just bought a VCR. I mean, like, who doesn't have cable? Well, the answer is us, and we just got it. And I don't want it anymore. <laughs> There's too many options. Too, too, too many options. So I ended up, like, watching it for one evening, and I watched, like, Benson and Night Court and Barney Miller and Three's Company, because I guess I'm just not only stuck in doing things that people do in the 80s, like getting cable, but also just watching shows from when I was a child. But I don't know how people do it. There's too many choices. Too many. And now I get to see, like, shows that I've only ever heard people talk about, like Shark Tank and stuff. Like The Bachelorette. I always forget to mention this, but I'm just like, I don't know how these things happen. And now I do. Um, so that's my exciting news for this week is that I now have cable. Uh, that is exciting. can watch really old shows. And the only thing that I want to actually watch is Northern Exposure, which is not streaming anywhere. There's some reason for it. If you, like, Google it online, there is an explanation as to why, like, Northern Exposure is not available to stream or, like, watch anywhere right now. Something to do with rights, but that's all I want to watch now. So maybe someday. So that's my TV update. I hope that I don't watch too much TV, but it's, right now it's looking pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> so also, I just realized that I am now, now that you are moving, I am the last all the books hosts left in this time zone. Oh, we, we all used to be on the East Coast, and now I am the only one. That's sad. <laughs> I I feel like the time zones are really going to mess me up, honestly. Like, I yeah. I have a hard enough time working, like, as a freelancer who has, like, people in multiple different time zones. Like, I'm constantly Googling what time is it in Arizona. Because Arizona oh, yeah. is different. And Arizona will mess you up. And, and so, like, I'm just like, oh, gosh, That's I'm going to be in Central. Slogan. Yes. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, it's going to be weird, but um, yeah. most people don't even realize that Michigan is actually still in the Eastern time zone anyway. So I guess for everybody else, they'll be like, yeah, you're in Central. So what? Yeah, I, I believe that was the case with me when we first started doing this together. I was like, so you're an hour behind. You were like, no. <laughs> so it'll, it'll be all right. Yeah. So now we are really going to talk about books. But first, we are going to hear from a sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so I am so very, very, very excited about this first book because it is like the perfect thing that you need for a hot, humid summer. It's just a deliciously nasty thriller. It is For Your Own Good by Samantha Downing. And this is one of those books that I, I love that I talk about, like one of those just over-the-top crime books that are just so... Like, almost ridiculous like this is this is not something that would actually ever happen not quite like this but it's so much fun and samantha downing has written a few books now uh, which i have enjoyed they've all been like like wild thrillers but this one is the best i think it is just so much fun to read it's about a man named teddy crutcher teddy is this teacher at a very esteemed 
academy, like private school for high schoolers called Belmont Academy. And he has just won Teacher of the Year because he's like the perfect teacher, except he's really, really not. Teddy Crutcher is basically a sociopath. He secretly hates most of his students and his co-workers. He purposefully, like, goes against his students and his coworkers. Like, he plots against them. Like, if they cross him in some way or he doesn't like them or he thinks they're too entitled or that they think they're better than him, he will, you know, ruin their transcripts for college or, like, do terrible things to them, like, that they don't realize that he's behind. He's a very, very, very bad man. <laughs> so he is at the center of this book. But, you know, nobody knows this really about Teddy, except for, like, the people that he's, there's, like, a student that he crossed, um, you know, he gave her a horrible recommendation when he told her he was going to give her a glowing recommendation, and so she knows that Teddy Crutcher is a big giant jerk, but they don't really know the extent of, of the damage he is causing. And then, one of the parents of a student is poisoned at a school event, and you think, like, well, you know, it had to have been Teddy Crutcher. But then, was it? Was this person the intended victim of this poisoning? And was Teddy the poisoner? It's hard to say because, oh my goodness, it turns out there are so many bad people in this book doing bad things and hiding secrets and wanting to get revenge uh, that, you know, it's it's impossible to know until the end. Of course, then we do find out. Yes, I'm not saying it's impossible the whole time, just right now. So it's told from five points of view, uh, including another teacher uh, the former student that I mentioned, uh, and also a current student, um, but it's not confusing at all. Uh, like, in each of their voices, like, they each have a unique storyline, and you're following along and trying to figure out what they're up to, and it kind of makes it really, really fun. It's almost, I said this before it, uh, when I was talking about it, uh, I think on the re review preview show, um, it's almost like a reality show where the most horrible person gets away with murder. It's just so fun. It's superbly plotted, and the pacing is great, and there are so many reveals. Uh, you get to the end of this book not even realizing that you have absorbed a bunch of information that is important later on, and then all of a sudden, it's brought back up again, and you're like, oh, no! It's so, so good. It's just the most delicious, nasty thriller. And I'm really excited because they announced a couple weeks ago that Robert Downey Jr. is going to be playing Teddy Crutcher in a TV adaptation of this, and I kind of really think that's awesome. Like, I was like, oh, I can definitely see him in that role. Yes, this is so great. So I did read this a really long time ago, so I'm going to try and give you my best content warnings. But please, uh, if you're worried, do some more research. Um, but it definitely includes uh, violence, murder, home invasion, illegal surveillance, poisoning, blackmail, and infidelity. That is For Your Own Good by Samantha Downing. Dang it, Liberty. I have <laughs> um, Samantha Downing's previous two books, like hard copies, have been meaning to read them. I totally packed them already. Now you make me want to dig them out and read these books. Or maybe I should just go buy for your own good. You should just go that, buy this one. Yeah. That sounds amazing. And yes. it's way less work than having to unpack the other ones. <laughs> yes, this is true. You're enabling I'll me, though. I'll write you a note. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be buying books in the middle of a move. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So my first pick is a really fun read. It is The Dire Days of Willoweep Manor. And it is written by Shannon K. Garrity and Christopher Baldwin. It's actually a graphic novel. So um, I believe um, Christopher Baldwin illustrates and Shannon, you know, she might be, um, she might have done some of the artwork too, because I know she's a cartoonist. So anyway, they wrote this book and illustrated it. 
It is really charming. So it is about Haley, who is obsessed with like gothic romances and, you know, Jane Eyre and like all of, you know, the Bronte contemporaries, but she'll, she'll read anything really. And she's like so obsessed at the very beginning of the book. Her teacher is like, look, Haley, you need to be reading something else. Like I'm, I appreciate your, your love and your passion and, and all that. But like, you also kind of need to like branch out at some point. And Haley's like, gasp, how dare you suggest that I need to be reading anything that else, you know, that what I already love. And so she's walking home one night. And of course, it's like this dark and stormy night. And she's got her stack of books and she sees this boy who appears to be drowning in the river. And so she, you know, immediately drops her books and she runs and she tries to rescue him. Um, But something weird happens when she kind of is able to like wake up and kind of come out of the water. She is not in her own world. She is in this gothic fantasy world of like, you know, there's this manor and there are like all of these like tropey characters in gothic romances, you know, the brooding estate owner and like the dandy brother who's in debt and then like the younger brother who is, you know, got his his own secrets, the housekeeper who has got her own sort of um, like secrets and life going on. And Haley is like, over the moon, excited, like, yes, this is everything I have ever wanted. I am living the life. But she very quickly realizes that something weird is going on at Willow Weep Manor and that nothing is like quite right. And what I love about her is she is not freaked out and deterred. She's like, okay, cool. Let's get to the bottom of this. And she discovers that Willow Weep Manor, you know, it is a different world from hers and it is a very important part of like this wider universe And it is in peril. So she and the boy that she thought she was rescuing from the river have to work together to figure out a way to save Willow Weep. And I really liked it because it has some great action. It has some really great unexpected twists. The humor is fantastic. You know, it's kind of like this clever satire in the way that like Nimona was sort of satirical when it came to like high fantasy stories. You know, totally different vibes, but like kind of along that same lines of like, you know, let's just have this really humorous sort of adventure story where we're sort of satirizing these genres, but like in a loving way because we love them so much. It was really fun. I really enjoyed it. It's The Dire Days of Willow Weep Manor by Shannon K. Garrity and Christopher Baldwin. Well, now I want to read that. It's fun. I think I have it here somewhere. I always love those books where something happens and the character's like, oh, okay. Because if something weird happened to me, I'm pretty sure my heart would explode in my chest. Like, there would be no story going forward because they'd be like, this is something weird. And I'd be like, ugh. Yeah. I'm always like, these people are brave. Yes. (laughs) I don't think I would last a minute. (laughs) Like, zombie zombie attack, I'm done for in, like, the first (laughs) few seconds. Like, that's it. I'm like, ah, zombies. Um, So I have an exciting middle grade novel that I absolutely loved, uh, written by Nicole Corner Stace, who has written some great adult stuff, or like, I should say adult YA crossover, like the Archivist Wasp. This is her middle grade debut. It is Jillian versus Parasite Planet, and it has illustrations from Scott Brown, although I have to say I did not get to see them because I read a galley and they were not available at the time. But 
the cover is incredible, so I'm imagining the illustrations are amazing. I just absolutely adored this book. It's about an 11-year-old named Jillian. Jillian has a lot of anxiety about trying new things. And she has these parents who are scientists who explore space. (laughs) This, I should mention, is set in the future. Um, And so her parents are scientists that work on things from space where people travel through portals and they go to other planets and all this stuff has been going on for a while now. Uh, And it is take your daughter to work day. And so her parents bring her with them to work. And she's very, very excited because this is the first time that she gets to see their lab, which she has always wanted to see. But then not only is it take your daughter to work day, but when she gets there, surprise, they're actually taking her on their next off-planet mission. Like basically she gets there and they're like, hey, like the lab, great. We're going to another planet now. And she is not as excited about that. She's pretty apprehensive. You know, and her parents are like, oh, this is completely safe. This is like the dullest mission and it's the most boring planet and everything is going to be fine. Which, you know, famous last words, right? Like nothing ever goes according to plan. And so instead, upon arriving at the planet, uh, the shuttle crashes and her parents are severely injured. And now it's just Jillian and, well, Jillian and Sabrina. Sabrina is a sentient, sarcastic, like, it's sort of like a nanobot cloud, I guess, if I have to, to say um, what Sabrina is. Just like a, like a huge swarm of nanobots, like a shapeshifter AI who can change into the things that Jillian needs or can, like, separate and be two places at once, um, can go find out, like, how her parents are doing while Jillian's off exploring this part of the planet or can change her change into like something that Jillian needs to use like a weapon or a tool. Sabrina is kind of like the genie from the animated Aladdin movie like very sarcastic and funny and does voices and changes into different things but also like kind of has the personality of the flight of the navigator robot. I told you I just turned 45 so that's that's why I'm talking about flight of the navigator. But so with Sabrina's help Jillian will have to find food and shelter and keep her parents warm and safe for five days while waiting for their return portal. Like, after the ship arrives, the portal to the planets close, and then you have a scheduled, like, arrival portal. And so she's there for five days waiting on this planet all by herself, basically, because her parents are both both unconscious. And also, to make matters worse, the whole planet, the surface of the planet, is teeming with these little green worms who want to eat them. Just, like, masses, teeming masses of little green invasive worms. Uh, And so she has to get her parents up high to shelter, like, away from these worms. And, you know, she's stuck for five days. She has to find the strength and face her fears to save herself and the ones that she loves. I liked the story about the planet. The aliens are really cool. It's completely action-packed and and a little intense sometimes. Like, like a little intense. Those worms are, are not to be messed with. But I also really loved Sabrina, the, the snarky not-robot cloud of nanobot thingy. And it's also a really great examination of childhood anxiety. You know, Jillian is, is a very anxious character. And, you know, she has to, to work with that while she's trying to save the people she loves. I do want to give content warnings for child peril, parental accidents and injuries, anxiety, animal death, and a little gore. That is Jillian vs. Parasite Planet by Nicole Corner Stace and illustrated by Scott Brown. Awesome. That sounds fun. The cover is so, so, so fun. Like, I want a poster of it. All right, so my next pick is In the Same Boat by Holly Green, and I really love this book. 
It is about a girl named Sadie who's Everybody in her family have have always competed in the Texas River Odyssey, which is this 265-mile canoe race. And they it's pretty intense. So like it's like they start in this river and they go all the way down to through 265 miles of water in Texas to come out down to your Corpus Christi, I think. And so they, I'm like, I'm, this is so embarrassing. I feel like I'm showing my lack of Texas geography right now. I can't quite picture the map, but it's a long, long river race. And so the very beginning of the book starts um, with like the previous year, Sadie and her dad are doing this race. They're in the same boat. And, you know, it's really important to her dad that they win and they succeed. And, you know, she has always wanted to do this because her grandparents did it. Both of her parents did it. Her older brother has. Like, this is family legacy. And so she's kind of shocked when, like, 80 miles from the finish line, she's like, this is so hard. I want to quit. And she tells her dad that. And he just, like, complete silence. Like, she can tell that he is deeply disappointed in her because, like, they are not quitters in their family. But she's just, like, so over it. Well, right after she tells her dad that she wants to quit, she realizes that she's basically, you know, he's not going to let her quit. So she's got to, you know, just keep pushing through. And so she's really honestly trying to get to the end. But she's so tired and she's in a bit of pain and she actually makes a pretty big mistake, which causes their boat to tip over and she gets injured. And she doesn't realize how badly injured she is until they get to their next checkpoint along the river and um, her mom is like the pit crew and and her mom sees her and is like oh my god you're bleeding what happened and her dad's like oh you know we took a spill she's fine she's fine and her mom's like I don't think she's fine and then she like starts vomiting and they realize that she probably has internal injuries from like flipping the boat and getting bashed up against a rock and so basically she has to be pulled out of the race and you know it's it's really disappointing because she's like oh you know this is a thing that I wanted to do but like the most disappointing thing is is like her dad is really upset that they had to to bail I really struggled when reading this dad because I'm like what a jerk like why does he care more about this race than his daughter well, there's a lot of, like, father-daughter complicated relationships. So the that's, like, all in the first chapter. So none of that is a spoiler. But then the book really starts in the second chapter, which is a year later. They're about to do the race again because it's an annual thing. And this year, Sadie is determined she's going to crush it. Like, she's going to finish. She's going to, like, prove that she can do this. She's not a quitter. She's strong enough. This year, she's racing with her older brother, who has done the race a couple of times because her dad refuses to race with her, which is really, um, really hard for Sadie to accept. So um, unfortunately, though, for Sadie, a few instances and some some events happen the day before the race, which result in her older brother bailing on her at the last moment. He decides that he's going to race with somebody else and he leaves her all alone. And she legally can't race alone because she's 17 and you need to be at least 18 in order to, to be able to race on your own. And everyone's like, you know, don't worry, you can race next year. And she's like, no, this was like my redemption chance. And I can't like stand another year of my dad not being able to look me in the eye. So she takes the only racing partner that is available at the last minute, which is Coley, who is the son of somebody who used to be best friends with her dad until an argument between them sort of 
like cause this rift in the family and in their racing community. And so she decides like, okay, if Kali is like my one chance to be able to do this race and finish, then, um, you know, I'm going to do this even, even if we don't like each other. And so they agree and they get in her boat and they set off across this 265 mile river odyssey race um, which is rather physically intense but it's also emotionally intense too because they are not in a good place with each other when they start and they really have to learn how to communicate but then along the way they learn more about some of the disagreements and the rifts between their families so this was just a really excellent book like i knew nothing about racing boats canoes like i've been in a canoe once in my life and it was nice, but very wet. And I don't think I could have it in me to do a race like this. But at the same time, reading this book was so enjoyable. Um, I really sped through it. So that is In the Same Boat by Holly Green. All right. My next pick today is Intimacies by Katie Kitamura. And you've probably heard a little bit about this book recently because former President Barack Obama had it on his summer reading list. That came out last week, and so somebody gave him an advanced copy. Kitamura is also the author of A Separation, which I talked about on the show several years ago, which is another great book to check out for the summer. It takes place like in hot weather, and I think it would be a really great summer read, as is this one. This is a fabulous short novel about a complex trial in The Hague, which is a city on the North Sea coast of the Western Netherlands and also the home to the UN's International Court of Justice headquartered in the Peace Palace, which is something that I just read off of Wikipedia, in case you were wondering what The Hague was. And so this book is like 99.9% character and language driven. It's about communication the main character is an unnamed woman who leaves New York City after the death of her father to work as an interpreter at a court in The Hague. And so this means that she is acting as the voice of both the victims and the perpetrators because she's interpreting what they say and like what it means to her and how it feels to speak on behalf of both the the fragile victims um, you know, and, and these upset people as well as the villains in, in this scenario. And as she works a case involving a former president's war crimes, she's trying to figure out, is this really where she should be? Because it's also about her own relationships and the mishaps she has in communications with her lover and her friend, uh, even in, you know, her first language uh, and how the smallest things can change an outcome. It has really beautiful writing. It's a fascinating story. It's one of those very quiet novels that fully absorbs your attention. The intricacies of this story uh, are the real stars. I expect to see it on long lists in the near future. It is Intimacies by Katie Kitamura. And that takes us to our next sponsor. Okay, Tirza, what do you have? All right. So my next pick is like this really great sort of dark, delicious, gothic mystery. Um, it is The River Has Teeth by Erica Waters. And it is told in um, dual point of view. It is about Della, who is a witch, and she lives in the woods with her family. They're kind of set 
away from like the rest of society, although they're not like, you know, so completely set away that they don't know people and, and kind of interact with the outside world. But they are witches who draw their magic from this tract of land that has kind of been not necessarily in their possession for generations, but they've always lived nearby it. And that's kind of where they draw their magic. And so about a year and a half before the book starts, though, something weird is going on with Della's family's magic, where it is just not quite right. And it's kind of off balance is how she describes it. So her mom and her aunt go to try to perform this ritual to kind of restore balance. And Della's not sure what happens, but something goes terribly wrong. All she knows is at the end of that ritual, her aunt is dead It looks like her mom probably killed her, and her mom has kind of turned into this monster that nobody can trust, and and she is not very human anymore. And so Della and her father lock her up in this old abandoned state penitentiary because they're afraid that, you know, she's going to be a danger to other people. Um, And at the same time, Della is trying to figure out, like, what can we do to reverse this? So then the other point of view is Natasha. And Natasha is, you know, more from like a a mainstream, normal family where she's not necessarily believing in like magic or anything like that. But um, when her older sister goes missing, she becomes really worried. And it's like one of those classic sort of missing cases where you know, you just, her sister seems to have vanished in thin air and they think that she's probably lost in the woods somewhere, which is this land that Della's family's magic comes from. And so when authorities and whatnot aren't really searching to to Natasha's satisfaction, she approaches Della because Della and her family are rumored to be witches and, and maybe she can help, which is kind of awkward because Della's pretty sure that her mom is the one that probably killed Natasha's sister and is responsible for her disappearance. So this is, yeah, like I said, a bit of a dark book. It has an angry girl protagonist that I think was really well done because sometimes I think that like readers and reviewers in general kind of come down really harsh on girls who are depicted to be angry. You know, it's like one of those things like girls aren't allowed to have like rage um, or that's kind of sometimes classified as, you know, a trait that only men can have. But Natasha is a very angry character. And it was really interesting to see how she develops over the course of this book from like being controlled by her rage to like learning how to kind of like funnel it into something that is, you know, more useful for her and, and how to cope with that. Um, I also really liked the magic. Like, this is kind of a witch's book that's not, like, it doesn't scream witches like a lot of YA books that are coming out now. It's really great, I think, Southern Gothic. And um, also Natasha and Della have a bit of a relationship that turns romantic, which I'm always here for. So it's a great mystery. You know, if you want to know what happened to Natasha's older sister, the the answers aren't what you think. And this that's kind of what kept me reading this. So that is The River Has Teeth by Erica Waters. All right. My last pick for today is The Book of Accidents by Chuck Wendig. 
I was a big fan of The Wanderers, which was his novel that came out, oh, I think it was the summer of 2019 now. Back when sleeping sicknesses were a big thing in like several novels, like coincidentally that year. And this one, The Book of Accidents, I think is his best yet. It's a great big literary horror novel, perfect for these muggy summer days, although maybe not in the middle of the night if you you know want to get any sleep. It's one of those horror books where it's like the people return to their hometown and have to face hometown horror. It opens with the execution of a serial killer uh, who is pretty sure that he's going to come back after he dies. Uh, And then it moves on. We find out about Nate and Maddie Graves and their 15-year-old son, Oliver. Um, Nate was a police officer, and now he's taking a job as a game warden. Nate's father has passed away, and they are going to move into his father's home in Nate and Maddie's hometown in Pennsylvania. Uh, Nate had a tough time growing up. He lived with his father, who was an abusive alcoholic, and he couldn't wait to get away. Maddie is an artist, and when Maddie was young, she witnessed something that she could not explain, and so now kind of spends her days making art that she uses to try and tell the story of what she saw. And Oliver is a very sensitive young man. The town itself where the houses that they move into is by the coal mines and something unnatural lurks inside those mines and they are going to get a glimpse of it very soon. Uh, Oliver, like I said, he's 15. He doesn't have a great time acclimating to his new town. Uh, He gets picked on a lot. He makes some enemies while he's standing up for other kids. But he does make this strange new friend named Jake. Jake is very enigmatic, but as the book goes on, he may not be who he says he is. Um, and Oliver, like I said, like I said, he's very sensitive. He ha- he gets these strange sensations. He can feel the pain of others, uh, and he's very intuitive and sensitive to the situations around him. And it's kind of the reason why Nate thought they should move him to this house. They want to get him away from the city. They think like maybe a bit of country life will do him so some good. But, you know, weird things are going on. Nate thinks he sees his dead father wandering around the property. um, And he makes friends with an older man who lives nearby. And they have a great friendship that lasts throughout the book. Maddie is working on her art. She works on with a chainsaw, making chainsaw art. But she has started having these swooning spells that may be connected to something that's going on in this town. And remember the serial killer that I mentioned from the beginning of the book? He's going to have a hand in things that are going on, but is he real or not? Uh, People are going to disappear. People are going to turn evil. And the Graves family is going to go through hell to try and reunite uh, as a family and get out from underneath the horrors of this town. It's very, like, Robert McCammon. It's very early Stephen King-ish, except that I found the storyline to be a bit like the outsider it reminded me of the outsider, like the evil in the the mind thing. But it's great. It's it's a massive book. It's 550 pages, and I don't want this to sound like a condemnation or like a, a bad thing about the book. But there is a lot to this book. It does not move for the most part at a very fast pace. Um, he adds so much information about everyone and everything that's going on. Uh, but like I said, you know, like it's great. It's it's you know, there's so much to the story. Um, and there's still plenty of scares and a lot of horror. Um, so if you are looking for a meaty, scary book to sink your teeth into this summer, this is it. Uh, I want to give content warnings for gore, violence, 
suicide, murder, substance abuse, domestic and child abuse, bullying. And as I mentioned earlier, there is an execution uh, at the beginning of the book. It is The Book of Accidents by Chuck Wendig. Awesome. All right. So this is like, you know, kind of another sort of speculative book, but complete tone shift. (laughs) My final pick is You and Me at the End of the World by Brianna Bourne. And um, it is set at the end of the world, as you might have guessed from the title. It is about two teenagers. One is Hannah and the other is Leo. And basically one day Hannah just kind of like wakes up and everybody in the world is just gone, which is kind of freaky because it's like, where did everybody go? And she's been really sort of scared. And, you know, I we talked about like, what would, would what would we do if something like really wild happened to us? Like, I think I would probably react like Hannah. And I would be like, I guess I'm not leaving my house because I don't know what's going on. And I don't want to die. And she, so that's kind of her plan until... And this is so relatable. One day she's like, I'm really bored. I could go to the bookstore. And that is exactly what she does. So the first um, chapter is basically her, you know, driving out of, of her house, being super freaked out by the fact that, like, there's nobody around and going to this bookstore that her um, family friends own and she has a key to. And as she parks and goes, she's like, I think there might be somebody around, but she can't quite tell. And she discovers Leo. And Leo is another teen at her high school. She doesn't really know him. She just kind of knows him by sight. And like same, um, you know, for him, he doesn't really know Hannah. Like he knows her as like the ballet girl um, because she is a dancer. And they're kind of like, hey, you're also here and there's nobody around. What the heck is going on? And at first, it's just kind of nice to be able to talk to other people or, you know, other people. There's one other person that they can talk to. And so they kind of team up and start sharing theories and talking and and they're just so happy to have found somebody else. But also, like, they're very different people. They never would have probably connected if it hadn't been for this experience of waking up and having everybody in the world seemingly vanish. So, you know, that's kind of nice. Leo is very much like this sort of rocker musician. He is um, in this sort of like 80s, I don't know if it's like an 80s tribute band, but they're very obsessed with like 80s metal. And, you know, Hannah's this ballet dancer. So they run in very different crowds, but take out all of the outside sort of influence and structure of their normal lives and they really do connect. So it's a bit of a romance, um, but also once they start connecting and hanging out, weird things start to happen, like, you know, more weird things other than just everybody being gone. Um, So like the weather starts getting weird, the days start getting shorter. So they realize that they can't just, you know, chill out at the end of the world. Like they're going to have to figure out what exactly is going on. And I am not going to go there because I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But I definitely felt like while I was reading this, this setup and the premise was so good. I was just like, what the heck? I need to know like what the answer is. And then like also along the way, you're reading about Hannah and Leo and their connection. And it was really fun. So it kind of reminded me of, I know that 
you really enjoyed Liberty, the um, movie Palm Springs. Like, it's not an exact... <gasps> I just watched it, like, two days ago. <laughs> it's not, like, an exact comparison, but, like, you know, the whole idea of, like, two very different people kind of thrown into this, like, situation where it's, like, nobody else is here with us, and, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not a time loop, per se. And it also reminded me of a Map of Tiny Imperfect Things, which is another time loop story based off of a YA short story. And it was made into a movie on Amazon Prime. So, like, it's kind of, like, got that vibe of, like, it's the end of the world. Something weird's going on. We don't even know what genre we're in here. But we've got these two people trying to figure it out. So, yeah, I was kind of getting those vibes from this book. And I also love Palm Springs. And I have watched it multiple (gasps) times since it came out. So, yes, that's another, you know recommendation for You and Me at the End of the World by Brianna Bourne, but also watch Palm Springs on Hulu if you haven't already. Oh, well now I need to read this one next. Yeah. (laughs) It was fun. This is such a great problem to have. Right? (laughs) So that is it for our new books. What are you going to read next? I think that I will probably pick up one of two books, either Razorblade Tears by S.A. Cosby, because I freaking loved Blacktop Wasteland, which came out last year. And this is his newest thriller. But Mm -hmm. I'm also going to the beach this weekend. So I might take the new Emily Henry, People We Meet on Vacation. Either or. Maybe both. Ooh, that would be a good one, too. I just got Noor by Nettie Korafor, which I'm very excited to read. I'm a big fan of Binti, and I can't wait to see what they do with Binti. I think it's a, a series that is being adapted into. It could be a movie, but I think it's a series, so I'm very excited about that. And then, because my brain hates me, the other day it was like, hey, hey. What if you reread all of Stephen King's books? And I was like, no, I don't have time for that. And my brain's like, yes, you do. Let's order a bunch from the local indie. And that is exactly what I did. Because I'm not driving this car. <laughs> like, I'm not in charge here. And I mean, because it's it's wild to think about, but he has like 60 something books, you know, and I read a lot of them when I was in middle school. I've read each of his books once and most of them now starting in middle school. So, you know, I'm like, all right, let's do that. So I picked up Carrie. And I'm going to start with that one because that is his first book. But, you know, maybe my brain will let me off the hook after a couple. <laughs> um, but it, it should be fun. I think it'll be interesting to revisit these, you know, 30-something years later. So that is all for today. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome listeners. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. And you can find us online, Tirza Hangs Out, on Twitter at Tirza Price. That's T-I-R-Z-A-H-P-R-I-C-E. I mostly hang out on Instagram at Friends and Comes Alive. Uh, and if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review because it helps other book lovers to find us. And we love book lovers! And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading! reading.